Hi everyone, and welcome to another sauntering podcast with me, Paul White. I'm coming to you from the beautiful town of Weymouth in Dorset by the sparkling blue sea. It never rains, it's always sunny. This podcast began during lockdown. We galloped through or sauntered through many, many books of the Bible now. I'm a disciple of Jesus and my job is to encourage you and encourage other people to walk with him. So we're in chapter 11 today, which is the monumental chapter on faith. And we're going to take a slight departure from where we've been. And yet what we're going to understand is the thing that really is it's the currency of heaven. Let's just, let's, well, <laughs> even saying that, I realise there's so much more I could say. So I'm not going to say anything else until I've prayed. And then we're going to go into it. Okay, so good morning, Fran and Fliss. So, Lord Jesus, today as we embark on this chapter, we ask you to open our hearts and open our eyes, open our ears, open our minds, Lord, and let us begin to experience this other dimension of faith that is so incredible. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we go then, chapter 11 of Hebrews. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So we have taken a departure somewhat from the discussions about the sacrifices in the old covenant and the high priesthood of Jesus, just for a moment, and we're kind of understanding what underpinned the lives of the great heroes of the Old Testament, that all of these Hebrew readers and listeners to this letter would have shared in the kind of pride and joy of those incredible men and women. So um, he starts off with this statement, which is an incredible summary of what faith is. And, And kind of I think when people talk about faith outside of Jesus, it's kind of like a wafty, ethereal thing which can cover a multitude of ideas But actually, faith is something profound and it's intrinsic to the Christian belief, the Christian faith, I guess. Good morning, Paul. Um, And but the Christian life, the Christian walk with Jesus. So faith is the assurance. The King James Version, I think, used to put it the substance of things hoped for. It's kind of like somehow even though they're hoped for and immaterial, yet we somehow by faith receive a substance. We receive the substance of that. So it becomes substantial. It's no longer just an ethereal wafty hope out there in the kind of realms of vague possibilities, but it's actually we've received something. And the conviction or the evidence of things not seen. So it's like, even though we can't see it, somehow internally we've received the evidence of it. I've just written a couple of things down 
to try and help me conjure, you know, sort of um, put into words what what I my understanding of faith is. So faith is the dimension of partnership between our hearts and God's words. The dimension of partnership between our hearts and God's words. So when God speaks our hearts, it's that kind of relationship with God's words that really becomes so crucial. And it is the realm of transition where the invisible becomes visible. So like we understand that God created the universe and that what is seen was made out of things not visible. So we understand by faith, we understand that there's this this relationship between what is invisible becoming visible. It is the environment of transformation, the space where miracles happen and the ordinary becomes extraordinary. It is where the human heart engages with the realities of God's word and the natural is overtaken by the supernatural. It is both a voluntary response from us, excuse me, and a gift from God himself. So it's something that happens inside us and we respond and it's voluntary. And yet it's also a gift that God gives us, the gift of faith and the gift to believe and so on. So it's from God himself. It comes from a place of recognition of the sheer goodness of God and of surrender to his sovereignty. Good morning, Alison. Great to see you. So it's kind of like faith comes in that in that kind of relationship where we understand just how incredibly good God is. And yet he is totally sovereign. He's God. He's the ruler of the universe, ruler of everything. And so I surrender my life to him. My expectations change because I'm in a relationship with this all powerful God who can do anything. And so it's a paradigm shift. It's a, it's a thousand things. And yet it's a, an incredible, important um, dynamic within the Christian life. And so he says, we under, by faith, we understand. And there is something about the mysteries of the universe that are so vast and so difficult to comprehend. They're these huge, huge questions And yet somehow by faith we understand and we come to a place of rest over the big questions in our heart. We settle our own hearts because we think, well, God made it. I kind of know. I don't know how. I don't know the exact formula that God used except that he spoke and it came into being. I don't know what was going on in the at the molecular level or anything like that. Maybe or maybe we have some ideas if that's our area, but we understand by faith we understand and so we see something in the in the eyes of our spirit in the place of our heart somewhere we we receive this gift of faith and it settles the big issues and the big questions i mean how does jesus blood cleanse us from all sin it's it's wonderful it's beyond our knowledge and yet by faith by faith we receive it and it saves us and it settles our conscience and our conscience becomes at rest not because someone's talked us into it but because God has given us the gift of faith and our hearts have responded in faith verse four by faith Abel that's Cain and Abel Abel's Abel was 
Uh, let me just let's read it. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. So Abel kind of knew what was required by God and brought that sacrifice to God of an animal. God was pleased with it and God was not pleased with Cain's offering, which was about trying to do what he wanted to do. And he ends up killing Abel. We know the story. First murder in the Bible um, and first murder in history, I guess. And so, but it was by faith. We understand that it was by faith that Abel's sacrifice was pleasing to God. Not not in a sense because he got it right, but because his heart was responding to God by faith. And uh, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Now, we could preach a sermon on each of these people, but we're not going to do that because otherwise we'll never get through the chapter today. So I'm going to bounce on through fairly quickly. By faith, Enoch was taken up. So Enoch didn't die. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death and he was not found because God had taken him. So they looked for his body, couldn't find it because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Verse six, here's a crucial verse of this whole book. I can't say it's the most crucial because they're all so crucial and there's so many bangers and absolutely key verses in this book that really become foundation stones to our our lives as believers. But this is a really important one. Without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So faith is this fundamental um, currency that pleases God. It's in terms of our heart's response to him. Faith is the thing that delights him. Without faith, everything else is pointless. Everything else is just kind of formality and following, oh my, following, shush, following a kind of form of doctrine. Pops. Sorry, it's my studio audience. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. Listen to this. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So that God is this benevolent God who is responding to us. He rewards those. Our 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 approach to him is not in vain. It's not like he's out there somewhere and maybe it's like, I believe he exists, but I also believe he's good and that he rewards those who who diligently seek him, who, um, who earnestly seek him. Verse 7, by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, again, this unseen realm becomes visible to Noah by faith. So God says, I'm going to flood the earth to Noah. And Noah doesn't say, well, I can't see any sign of rain, God. He receives that that promise. God says, I'm going to save you and your family. You're going to build a boat. He receives that invisible promise. And over the next hundred years, he builds this ark. And um, and it's this kind of labor of faith. And it's by faith, 
Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen in reverent fear. So he's acknowledging the great sovereignty of God. In reverent fear, he constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So for a hundred years, Noah tried to save the people around him. He invited them to come on board. Oh, I'm really sorry. There's a silliness going on outside with dogs. And the way do they do it just out here? I wonder. <laughs> um, by this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So Noah was declared righteous, not because he did everything right, because he didn't. He did some things wrong, but by faith he was declared, he was, he became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, Paul talks about that a lot more in the book of Romans. Verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed, and when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. He went to an undisclosed location, but somehow in his heart he had received it. And so he knew that he was going somewhere beautiful and special and lovely. He'd received it in his heart. He stepped out in faith, even though he didn't know where he was going. Verse 9, by faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob heirs with him of the same promise so they lived they they had they accepted this kind of almost life of a vagrant living in a tent they didn't have any fixed abode for quite a long period of time um not just he didn't in his faith didn't just kind of affect him but it affected his um his nephew lot and it affected his children and all the rest of it and they they became also, they shared with him in the promise. They became heirs of, they inherited the promise that God made to Abraham, which is incredible. Verse 10, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. We don't know that Abraham ever found any city. He, he found some cities whose foundations weren't God and he watched them being destroyed. But in the end, the product of his life was one son, wasn't it, really? But a life lived in faith and obedience to God. I mean, he did have other sons, but the real product of his faith was this one son, Isaac, which became the inheritor of the promises. And so um, by faith, Sarah, as Abraham's wife, herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age. I mean, not just a little bit past the age, really significant. She was in her 90s or 90-odd, wasn't she? Since she considered him faithful who'd promised. Verse 12, beautiful, beautiful scripture. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, <clears throat> were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand on the seashore. So we understand now that everyone who believes in God and responds to him by faith is a son or daughter of Abraham. So all the time, even now, Abraham is having more and more descendants, thousands every single day. And so who can count them? They're innumerable. And so 
Abraham had virtually passed his his physical expiry date, hadn't he, by the time he um, Isaac was conceived and born. He literally, he was hanging on by a thread, wasn't he? And we kind of think, what is the matter with you? Why don't you just accept that it's not going to happen and get over it? Good morning, Caroline. And uh, yet somehow Abraham kind of continued to walk in faith and said, I believe this God who's made this promise is faithful. Sarah considered him faithful who had promised, even though she laughed and thought it was funny. Oh, incredible. And so they received the promise in the end. And there, this incredible picture, Abraham and Sarah, this incredible picture of hanging on in there and holding on to the promises of God, even when they look so seriously unlikely. Verse 13 these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they're seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And so we understand here that, that Abraham didn't really receive the promise that God had given him. He was looking for a city. He didn't actually see it, but he had seen it and he had received it. And he was a citizen of that city, even though... He died living in faith. He died with a kind of... And I always think about my dear mum and dad who were beautiful, godly people who lived their lives serving him in a fairly kind of unknown, unrecognised kind of way. And yet their hearts were gripped by a heavenly vision. They'd seen something of God. They knew that when this life is over, they're going to be with him forever. But they brought us children up to know him and love him and pray like it was for real. And they lived like it was for real. And they paid the price like it was for real. And they died having had glimpses and bits and bobs. They'd seen some things, but they hadn't seen it all. They hadn't seen everything. Um, but yet their hearts were... So they, they themselves were citizens of a better country a heavenly one. And so, therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has for He has prepared for them a city. And you and I, when we surrender to Jesus and allow him to begin to speak into our hearts and fill our hearts with his vision and with his faith and his expectation, we realize that there is a heavenly city that we're citizens of. We're apostles and ambassadors of that kingdom now on the earth and we see sporadic bits of that being realized around us we see miracles we see some incredible healings going on and we think wow god this is heaven on earth this is the kingdom of heaven coming to touch the earth this is this is, i'm an apostle i'm an i'm an ambassador i'm a servant a citizen of this kingdom and my job is to introduce its culture on the earth but yet we don't see it in its fullness yet but we see some pretty good stuff don't we around the world by faith, Abraham, verse 17, when he was tested, 
offered up Isaac. Crazy. That's just such an incredible story. We haven't got time to go into it all. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, who he had received. And he who, I'm sorry, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, which figuratively speaking, he from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So there's this little bit of insight into Abraham's thinking there that he actually, when he was about to plunge the knife, oh gosh, horrible thought. He, somewhere in his heart, he was thinking, well, God, you gave me this son. You can raise him from the dead if you so choose. And figuratively speaking, he did receive him back from the dead. And actually, I wonder whether that's just speaking about Isaac or whether it's also speaking about Jesus, who was Abraham's son also. And he was, he did not just figuratively raise from the dead, he physically raised from the dead and is alive today, which is amazing, amazing, amazing. But we know that Isaac went on to be one of the patriarchs and have more children and so on. So by faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of his sons, each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. You can read all those stories in Genesis I've done a whole series on Genesis, which is on YouTube. If you want to find it, you can get to it through my website or through um, Prayer House Weymouth YouTube channel. Um, really, really beautiful stories of faith and endurance and testing and challenge and all the rest of it. Fabulous. Verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. What does that mean? It says in some translations, they saw that he was no ordinary child. What were they doing? They were seeing something by faith. They saw the destiny of their child in that little crib in front of them. As the mum held the boy in his in her arms, she looked at him and the dad, and they, they thought, wow, there's destiny on this child. We can't just give him up to be thrown to the crocodiles. This baby's life must be preserved because there's destiny here, because they saw something that was invisible at the time. And it says that they were not afraid of the king's edict. I expect they were somewhat afraid, but they... They had a greater um, expectation of God than to let this kind of intimidating king um, win. And so they feared God more than they feared the king, you might say. They had more respect for God than they did for the king's edict. That is an element of faith where we where our respect and our awe and fear of God, right fear of God, results in us trusting him more than we trust the surrounding um, climate or whatever situation we're in situation verse 24 by faith <clears throat> Moses when he was grown up refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to be <clears throat> mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin 
he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. He didn't have any idea what the reward was. It was just somehow in his heart. He had seen something that was invisible, even though all around him was all the wealth and treasure of Egypt, and that was all his. He could have just indulged himself, filled his boots up with all of that pleasure, but actually he chose not to. He chose reproach for the sake of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. He'd seen something invisible. Ladies and gentlemen, that is faith. That's what we're talking about. That's why why I get up in the morning and do what I do. It's why my, my life is caught up with trying to invite other people into this relationship with God because I've considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt. It's so funny because I put, um, this isn't completely true. I mean, because I did put a reel up, uh, a live thing up and it had something like 7,000 views on Facebook one day of some worship, which was really cool. But I put a, a, a little video of my grandson, George, wheeling a wheelie bin. It had something like 2,000 views on Instagram And yet I could put something up about me talking about Jesus and maybe get 10 or 20 likes. Do you know what I mean? And I kind of think, "Mm, (laughs) it's interesting, isn't it? There is a reproach about Christ, about being associated with him. People are walking past here now. I've got my Bible open on my lap. I'm thinking, well, they don't know what this place is here up at Chapel Hay, but at least they can see that somebody is believing the Bible and teaching it morning by morning. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Verse 27, by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid. Again, not being afraid of the anger of the king. Good morning, Valentina. He he was not, I'm sure it was intimidating, but he feared God. His, his heart for God, his respect and awe of God as well as holy fear was greater than his fear of the king for and listen to this for he endured so by let me read the whole verse by faith he left Egypt not being afraid of the anger of the king for he endured as seeing him who is invisible wow so it's the is the invisible becomes real through faith Not in a fictional fantasy nonsense kind of way, but it becomes the substance, the evidence in our hearts. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. And what we do in response to God, in in response to he, him who is invisible has a massive impact on what is visible and what goes on in the physical world around us. That our faith is the transition place between the invisible and the visible. Verse 29, by faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they'd been encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, 
because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Amazing, isn't it? She had faith. She saw something about these guys. Not that they were handsome and butch and whatever. Excuse me. But she saw that there was destiny. Excuse me. And God's hand was on these young men. So she welcomed them and as a result was saved. Verse 32, and what more shall I say, for time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith, listen to this summary, verse 33, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of the sword, escaped sorry, the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword and were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Somewhere, it's, uh, it, one translation says it, they turned their weakness into strength. Were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned and sawn in two, they were killed with the sword, they went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains, and in dens and caves of the earth. And these Though commended for their faith, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us they should not be made perfect. Once again, we've got that sense of completion, that sense of perfection. And, the, and as the writer unpacks these great stories and doesn't, doesn't tell us much detail about them but just kind of alludes to them assuming that we're going to do the homework and look into those stories he's saying actually they were reaching for something that hadn't yet come and even though in part they received and they received a kind of natural fulfillment of some of the things that they were hoping for and that they had faith in their hearts for and they conquered kingdoms and they turned their weakness into strength and they did all these great things yet there was a sense in which they still didn't receive this heavenly city and this this lasting inheritance and they were not made complete but yet with us, with you and me, we start to complete the picture. As Jesus comes and introduces the new covenant and the promises of God become available to everyone, not just a few special people, where we're all given access into the, the holy of holies, where we can all taste of the heavenly gift and share in the power of the age to come and the, the goodness of you know, and all, all of those incredible things that we've been reading about in Hebrews, there is this building, gradual building of the per, the perfection, of the completion of the purposes of God that these guys only glimpsed and saw from afar off. These, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us. This is this better covenant he's been talking about, this access into the holy place, this, oh, this great high priest 
God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. And so there's something still, this grand, big meta-narrative of the purposes of God is still being worked out on the earth by you and me, wherever you are today. And so may God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you, fill you with his spirit. And as you listen to his promises, let your heart be kindled in faith. I want to stir you up and spur you on to believe for God, believe the promises of God, not just for you personally, but for the big picture around the world of what God is doing. Woohoo! We could say so much more, couldn't we, on this chapter, but please do dig out those old stories from the Old Testament there in Genesis and um, Exodus and Joshua Judges, those incredible stories. And may God bless you today. Amen. If you've enjoyed this podcast, that's brilliant. That's exactly what I hope for. Please do share it, like it, pass it on, get it out there. Thank you so much. Have an amazing day.